Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. With season 46 just around the corner, we thought it might be fun to break down the slew of news that's dropped recently about SNL's unprecedented post-COVID return. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I'm joined this week by audio podcast holdovers Steve Finn and John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. All right, here we go. We are back. (laughs) Welcome back, everybody. We are here. Yes, we left off in the craziest time. We had no clue what the world, let alone SNL, was going to look like come fall. You know, normally we go into the summer just worried about if Kate McKinnon will be back or not. (laughs) And this summer, instead, we had a full-blown apocalypse. Uh, So we didn't know if we would even survive long enough to see season 46. Mm -hmm. So with that said, how was everyone's summer? (laughs) Of all the things uh, to lose sleep over this summer, uh, Kate McKinnon's return was not one of them. Um, in, interesting. <laughs> I mean, I, I disagree, but well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just speaking for myself. Yeah. Cast turnover was the least of my concerns. Uh, right. You know, as we watch the world burn around us and, uh, you know, oh, oh, so many daily developments to, to keep us, um, wow, just, uh, just all, all riled up. Um, it is uh, a very different world than it was a few months back. And, SNL now has the challenge of figuring out how to comment on that, making us laugh in the midst of so much crazy and finding some sort of normalcy um, just in being back and what they're actually going to be able to do with uh, you know, different COVID restrictions and so much else. So yeah, it's, it's not really about cast turnover so much as like <laughs> what, what is this next season really going to be? And uh, it's going to be so exciting. To break it all down. Yeah. I'm excited. Steve, how about you? How you doing? Well, you know, I had a great summer. It was, I, I took it as an opportunity, you know, to get down to the basics, spend time with family. I learned to make my own beer. I've been <laughs> drunk this oh. entire time. <laughs> I'm heavier than I've ever been. And I don't care. Nothing. Nice. Nothing like that even phases me anymore. <laughs> it used to be all I, I'd think about, but you know, I, I'm a new person. This is going to be a new Steve. From here on out, we're going to have a, a great time on this podcast. Is drunk Steve drinking uh, Steve's homebrew out of his M&M mug? That's right. And uh, yes, the sexy green M&M is the perfect receptacle for my fruity uh, Hopacana IPA. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll send you a case. You're going to love it. Was, was that a plug? Like, is this something people can actually get their hands on if they're so inclined? <laughs> or is this literally being brewed in your basement? No, this is just, you know, I have a fermenting in a carboy in the basement it's it's for my own consumption and it's not even that good you know i'm (laughs) i'm new at this awesome well i had an all right summer you know i've i tried to stay busy we were trapped at home for most of it but uh i did manage to join a virtual comedy sketch team at a theater that's based in dc Um, so that's a Hmm. fun new experience uh, yeah, and we have our first show on Wednesday night at 8 Eastern, and you can find out more about it at litcomedy.com. Now, that definitely was a plug. <laughs> that was absolutely a plug. Very, L-I-T very comedy, right? <laughs> That's Do it. I have that correct? I'll check that out for sure. <laughs> so if we're going to, uh, you know, go plug heavy right out of the gate here, 
Um, <laughs> why don't I talk a little bit about the state of the show and what we have cooking for our patrons? Can we do that, Kathy? Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right. So hopefully um, some folks may be watching us chat about SNL tonight rather than simply listening through their podcast app of choice. And that's because we have spent the summer tooling up, trying to figure out how to switch over to producing this as a video first podcast. Uh, the intention being that we want to release the full episode for our patrons, either on Patreon or subscribe star for anyone that's not down with Patreon. Um, we hope to be able to put those out Monday nights moving forward. It may take us a few weeks to kind of get on top of our, our game and, and hit that release time, but that's what we're driving towards. And, uh, then same as what we were doing with the audio podcast, we're going to be putting out a highlights version of the video podcast online or maybe clips, or there's going to be some stripped down version of it. That's going to be on YouTube for anyone to find and discover and hopefully enjoy, but it's not going to be the full cast. That's still going to be exclusive for our patrons. So anyone that wants to come in at the $4 level, that's our featured player tier. They're going to be able to basically get everything we produce video and audio. Um, $4 that gets you everything. And, uh, our tiers on subscribe star are going to be exactly the same as they are on Patreon. So, it doesn't matter where you find us. If you want to support us, either of those platforms is going to get you the exact same content at the same time. So yeah, whichever one you're more comfortable with, that's where we'd love you to find us. And um, for everyone that is just kind of down for the audio podcast, nothing changes. You know, we're producing this as a video now, but we've always done this as a video chat. So this really doesn't change the format of the show or how we approach it. It just kind of changes the way people are going to be able to discover it and hopefully enjoy it. So if you're just audio only, it's still going to show up in your podcast app. Same as always. If you're a patron, you're still going to have your exclusive patron only feed to get the full length episodes, whatever you were paying before that still gets you everything that you got before. So we're not leaving anyone behind in this transition. We're just simply trying to add additional value on top of what we were previously offering. And um, yeah, we're just excited to see if uh, we can make something that is maybe a little more enjoyable than just the audio version that we'd done previously. And we would be excited to hear any feedback from anyone that uh, takes in the show. Uh, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, what we could punch up. Um, obviously, we're learning as we go. So whatever we can do to up our game, we want to hear about it. Be brutal as always. All feedback. Welcome. That's basically the state of the show. I am thrilled about this video production. I think it's going to be really awesome. So that said, let's move in to this crazy amount of news we've gotten from SNL in like the past two weeks. Yeah. Mm. And up first, I just want to say it early on here, not a lot to discuss, but I want to congratulate all of our SNL Emmy winners. We had Eddie Murphy, Maya Rudolph, the director, Don Roy King, the light and production departments, and they also got Outstanding Variety Sketch Show Series. So I was really happy for everybody, and congratulations. Yep. Every year they they pull in a few, um, but it, it's nice when there's something that uh, was maybe a little more unexpected. I don't know if Eddie Murphy's Emmy was unexpected, but it's something that a lot of people feel is kind of long overdue. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's just a, an attaboy for recognizing everything that he brought to the show back in the day, 
uh, as opposed to just the episode he turned out, which I thought was a fantastic episode. As much as I may be biased, I, I thought that that was a lot of fun. So I, I think it was well-deserved. Um, but that's the one that I personally feel stands out and, and has me grinning, you know. And we're definitely going to see Maya have an opportunity to take a victory lap for her win. Oh, yeah. Having uh, <laughs> Kamala as Biden's running mate. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. I'm definitely excited for that. But congratulations to everyone who's who's won awards. Yeah. All right. Well, we had one huge piece of news that we're going to break down into several pieces of news. Mm-hmm. And that is we're going to be in the studio for five straight weeks. Unprecedented. Starting next week, October 3rd with Chris Rock and Meg the Stallion. I'm breaking so. a sweat just hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing let's talk about, and this is something that Travis Kemp also wants us to touch on. They're going to be having temperature checks at the door, limited audience, rapid COVID tests, quarantine. So let's talk about, you know, the pros and cons of going in the studio and what that's going to look like. It's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, we're going to hear a little bit of a, a thinner uh, applause than we're used to with the, the distance crowd. There's going to be a crowd. So I'm happy for that. I'm happy to get live reactions because, you know, some of the most awkward moments of the SNL at home were, you know, the parts where you would expect to have that laugh track in there. So that's great to have. Yeah. uh, Seems like we're not going to have every single cast member in studio. Some people are doing it by distance, it seems. Uh, But it's going to be interesting to just to see, you know, how they tackle all those limitations and you know if i know my snl i think uh they would take that opportunity and create great comedy that they may not have thought of doing before and use it as an opportunity more as a uh, rather than a challenge i mean it's still going to be a challenge but we might we might see some some new stuff that you know where they're forced into this corner uh you know they make the best of it and yeah. and come out with some great stuff. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Sometimes adversity uh, breeds uh, creativity or, you know, ingenuity or like they, mm-hmm. they solve problems in ways that end up being more novel and enjoyable than if they hadn't been put in a situation where they had to create those solutions. Um, so yeah, adversity isn't always a bad thing in the creative process. We'll see what that translates to. Uh, obviously we have no way of really knowing and, and honestly they don't, Literally, as we're recording this, they're still sorting out production specifics and, you know, figuring out how to really just, you know, get on top of their game in the space that they have to work with. Um, a lot of what I was reading. So basically what happened was a couple of weeks ago, uh, they realized that their figurehead, Lauren Michaels, had to come out and basically reassure the world that SNL, you know, would be returning and, uh, you know, in a in true to form. Um, so he went and did a, a media blitz. They did a full court press and, and they just basically opened the floodgates on everything that they could say about the season. They couldn't say much about host cause apparently that's still in flux. Um, but yeah, as, as news dropped, um, he was out front and center doing interviews, trying to paint a picture of, uh, it's a new era. We don't exactly know how it's going to go, but Hey, this is SNL. And, you know, we, you know, we, we come through and we've got great talent. And so he was that steady hand, uh, or, you know, that's the picture that they were painting. Um, so I read, you know, those, those interviews that he did and it sounded like what he was describing was very similar to what I assumed the production would look like when we talked about this on some of our previous casts. Um, basically 
they're going to be in the studio, but they have to work around whatever complications come from not being able to have as many people on the floor. And he said specifically, you know, that might mean that we need to pull back a camera and get a camera operator out of the room rather than just have everybody on the floor, you know, waiting for their cue. Like there's going to be a a bit more shuffling around, Um, you know, cast members may not be doing quick changes on the floor or, you know, having their whole entourage kind of doing them up, uh, you know, in the space because we need to have more specific areas designated for that kind of stuff. So they're, working through all of the the production stuff to figure out how to get something to air in the studio. But the end result, even though it's going to be stripped back and probably rely a lot more on pre-tapes, because another thing that we heard is that they've been rounding up additional um, production facilities and sound stages and things like that so that they can ramp up more pre-tape content quicker uh, and have more units running simultaneously. So it just, it sounds like because they can't have as many people in the space during the actual live show, they're going to be finding creative solutions to fill in the gaps so that they have longer to do setups, you know, less people to build sets in the space while well, it takes longer. So we need to have another pre-tape to fill the time while we're prepping for the next live sketch. So they're, they're realigning things. So it's, it's a, a different way of executing on the show. That's going to obviously have to prioritize some content over others just because of uh, the reality of uh, the amount of manpower they can have, but the end result should be an hour and a half of comedy. And honestly, you know, SNL's pre-tape game has been on fire for a few seasons. So oh, yeah. if really the solution to all this is a little bit of social distancing and a little bit more reliance on um, like film unit pods, just kind of doing their thing in isolation a little bit and uh, just working through the week on their, their little pet project. So they have more stuff ready to go for Saturday that could turn out a fun show in its own right. Right. Yeah. You know, if as if the stakes of producing a 90-minute sketch show uh, live every week weren't high enough, now they have uh, this additional pressure of, hey, if any one of you test positive, we have to shut yes. this down for exactly. two weeks. Yeah, how crazy is that? It all, it all hangs on one COVID test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am stressed out. Mm-hmm. I'm not even working on the show, but I am stressed out about like mid-October. Like we're going into the election. It takes one person mm-hmm. to shut it down and we lose our election episode, which makes yeah. me wonder, do they have a contingency plan of putting up some at-home episodes if that were to happen during those two weeks, especially if it's the election time? Uh, so I'm very interested to see what what that might look like if they end up having to do that quarantine right yeah yeah i mean let's let's not hope for the worst um like it'd be nice (laughs) i'm sure that they have to have they've they've been trying to map this out all summer so they have plans a b and c obviously Mm -hmm. they've tried to explore all options uh so it's not a matter of them not considering that reality right but their their plan a is mitigation what can we absolutely mm-hmm. do to never get to the point where we have to actually cross that line and scale back and figure out what right. an alternate production would look like i i gotta i gotta hand it to them they're ticking all the boxes it seems to just to make sure that that scenario that we're all dreading is as unlikely to happen as possible i think it's going to make it a lot more intriguing for people that are very casual snl viewers to to tune in because they know they're watching not just the typical stunt of snl but they're watching a like a a real tap dance a real ballet in many Mm -hmm. ways you know like can we do snl without anybody making physical contact like what would that look like (laughs) Like that's that's a whole different sport than what it normally is Mm -hmm. um so i i have a feeling that's going to intrigue a lot of people over and above just the election cycle stuff that's already going to be bringing in fresh blood so 
I would, yeah, I would expect some solid ratings, uh, for these yeah. next few episodes. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Election seasons always kind of ramp up, but who wouldn't want to tune in and see, you know, how high they can shoot. We saw what Jimmy Everyone's Fallon can curious. do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's interesting to kind of see the tonight show in this sort of format, but this is SNL. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, they impressed us with the at home shows. I want to see them really impress us with a COVID production. Same. I, and I think Lauren said it best. He said, basically, we're coming back because we always come back. Yeah. <laughs> After 9-11, we came back. You know, right. like, he's like, that's what we do. We're going to figure it out. We're yep. going to be here. And that's that. They're pushing forward and we're going to be along for the ride. And uh, that is pretty darn dangerous and exciting. And yeah, yeah, I just, I I wish everyone over there the, the best. Uh, I know they're all going to be trying hard to pull it off. And I really, really hope they do. So, Steve, how do you feel about uh, getting five episodes in a row? Well, like I said, I'm breaking a sweat at the thought of it. Uh, That's a a wet-ass Steve. Yeah, like (laughs) W-A-S for sure. (laughs) And it's not, you know, because I am stressed out about covering it. I'm stressed out on their behalf. I know how much uh, work they put into it, how taxing it is. And for them to do five in a row with the added challenges of, of doing this, uh, you know, uh, the most sanitary uh, distance way possible. This, this is got to be on their minds and, you know, I'm sure they're excited to be back to work, but I think they're also a little bit uh, uh, dreadful of it and I can't blame them, but yeah, five in a row, it's unprecedented. And I I would love to learn more about where that decision came from, because you would think, you know, under the circumstances, this would be the last, (laughs) you know, uh, time in, in. Right. Why would you pack your schedule when it's already an uphill battle? Right. Um, Lauren Michaels spoke to it, you know, it was in one of the articles. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, we, we looked at um, how the debates are being scheduled. And it turns out that there just isn't a week when there isn't going to be something to say. Like they really have made it a tradition to cover the debates. Um, so he's just saying like, how can we just miss a week when there's going to be that kind of material to draw on? But what's really interesting is he also said like, if the election goes into extra innings, I think was the term he used, like as if to <laughs> say, if for some reason the vote count goes crazy and there's just this huge circus around the election, um, you know, they, they just might keep at it. If there's something worth saying, they might just keep pushing episodes out. And I guess he has the flexibility to be able to make that call at some point. So they may do five plus, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's interesting that they don't actually have one scheduled for election week. It's November 3rd. It's November 3rd. Okay. So if it's November 3rd and they do the last week in October, then, and then they take a week off, then there's basically two weeks, uh, Yep. when the election is going to be happening that they're not on. Um, so that's very interesting. So if things do go crazy, he may call an audible and maybe we even get a sixth one in there somewhere. Um, right. Again, unprecedented times. And it seems like they're just keeping all options open and being as fluid with everything as they can be to make hay, you know, with the mm-hmm. crazy times that we're living in. That November 7th episode that is not yet scheduled, that would mm-hmm. be the sixth in a row. I'd be shocked if it didn't happen. One way or another, well, that seems the, insane. If it takes a long time for votes to come in, maybe everyone, True. it's the calm before the storm, right? Like maybe they want to mm-hmm. come back when 
things literally go, you know, thermonuclear. Maybe that's the, <laughs> the goal. Like, you know, wait till yeah. there's some sort of finality. And then the question becomes, well, is anyone going to contest it? Is it going to be like a, the, the 2000 election or, you know, crazier? Um, that's maybe the question mark. Maybe that's what they mm-hmm. don't know yet, whether it's better to right. capitalize on that situation or just cover the election proper. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, they're just, I think they're just making it up as they go, but, uh, who knows? Who knows if there's something to be said? Lauren says they're coming back. I'll certainly be intrigued about the, 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 the fifth episode and the sixth and potential, you know, potential sixth and seventh episodes. Uh, the material that they get in there that's not political because the whole mm. thing's not going to be political no matter what, right? Uh. They might have <laughs> more of it, but surely, surely they're not going to produce five straight episodes purely 90 minutes political comedy it'll Um, be politics covid politics covid uh (laughs) social issue covid politics covid that's going to be the rundown for the show yep like what else what else has been going on we've all been housebound (laughs) for like eight months now so uh i i think they're going to be pulling from the only experience that most people are having like what are we going to talk about well what do we all have in common you know what's going on it's going to be the the crazy controversy of the day and relatable COVID stuff that hopefully we can all wink at. And then the politics <laughs> is going to be, you know, the first 15 minutes of the show. And then how many sketches after that and weekend yep. update, like, yeah, <laughs> I think we kind of know what we're in for content point. wise. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope we get a little whimsy thrown in there. Oh, but well, there, we there's always see. clever stuff, you know, that yeah. they, they do surprise you, especially with the pre-tapes. That's where they can really flourish and, mm-hmm. you know, figure out something from pop culture, or just something else that's, uh, yeah, just a, a, a little uh, more disconnected from the world and just a self-contained little gem. If we get mm-hmm. just, you know, one of those an episode, uh, it'll make <laughs> maybe slogging through some of the other stuff that, you know, maybe weighs down to show a little bit. Um mm-hmm. If, if, uh, yeah, if there's just one thing we can pull from each episode and we say like that, that needed to exist, that's all I'm mm-hmm. hoping for. And then, you know, if the politics is fun, even better, but, uh, yeah. it's going to be tricky waters to navigate. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on and let's talk about our first host and musical guest. We got Chris Rock and Meg the Stallion. Steve, how do you feel about those? Well, I, uh, I expect this uh, episode to be on a seven-second delay, uh, <laughs> at least for the music uh, music portion. Now, I don't think I've listened to the entirety of WAP. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm just scared of women's sexuality or whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, safe to say we're probably going to see Cardi B in there as a, as a, uh, a guest of the guest host, you know, mm-hmm. guest mm-hmm. host inception. Musical guest, I should say. And uh, Chris Rock, what a perfect choice. Uh, great uh, friend of the show. Someone that we're familiar with and someone we've seen on the show uh, in recent times. So it it just feels warm and fuzzy and right to have him there. And yeah, I think we need a little bit of familiarity to bring us into this uh, season. Because yeah. a lot of things aren't going to look quite the same. So we should have as many friends surrounding us as possible. Chris Rock is better than ever. You know, he's he's still at the top of his game. And yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see him back, John. You? Oh, well, yeah, of course. Uh there's nothing bad I can say about Chris Rock. The the nice thing that he brings to the show is a stand-up monologue that they can let run for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. 
they're not going to be itching to move on. And, you know, like mm-hmm. it's going to be harder to produce live sketch fair. So if they can bring in a, uh, a standup of his caliber and let him just fill that time with grade a material. Yeah. Take it and run with it. Yeah. So between uh, a really heavy political cold open and Chris rock, we're going to be about half an hour into the show before they have to worry <laughs> about their first live sketch. Um, True. So I think it's good casting or good booking. He's not a cast member. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like, well, he's New York adjacent, so it fits right. Like there, it needs to be people in the city or in the state because of you guys, your quarantine and lockdown rules. It's going to be hard mm-hmm. to fly people in from the coast just for the one week stint, if they're not willing to hang out in New York for two weeks before and after or whatever. So right. uh, they're probably going to have a lot of local people, um, mm-hmm. you know, coming up. Um, actually, uh, why don't we get into that, Catherine? Because I think we had some listener yeah. feedback along those lines. So why don't you set that up? Yeah. So Oreo Monogatari actually <laughs> wanted us to discuss this. Uh, other hosts and uh, for this season, who would you like to see? Who do you think we will see, Steve? I'm not sure. You know, leading up to this, I thought, you know, maybe we'll see uh, Robert Pattinson on there since he's doing Batman and that'll probably, uh, you know, be uh, buzzed about before the season is out. But yeah, he, he got, he went and got the COVID. So <laughs> yeah, they, so had really shut down. <laughs> they had to shut down production. I think he's over it now, but I was thinking, you know, Robert Pattinson, uh, you know, being the new Batman and uh, his work with Christopher Nolan in that Tenet movie, uh, you know, we he would have been a great host. And I think him he's, and Peter kind of buddies too. Are they? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I could see them palling around. Yeah. You know, tall, <laughs> lanky dudes. But uh, yeah, that would be uh, that would be great. I could see Scarlett Johansson uh, hosting uh, to promote Black Widow, of course. And she's already in the bubble, right? Like she's already in the bubble. That totally fits. I'm sure we're going to get mostly New York East coast hosts that I imagine we want experienced people that are kind of friends of the show. You know, you're probably not going to get a lot of first time hosts. You can't hold hands, right? You can't, you can't get someone up to speed when they don't even know what the show is. You need someone that can roll with it. Right. That's why they need season vets. Yeah. And they literally yeah. can't hold hands. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to make that pun, but thank you for driving that home. What is Donna going to do? Donna, the, the host dresser. They're going to have to like yeah, handcuff this, her to yeah, prevent that. She'll be six feet ahead, you know, <laughs> over here. <sighs> yeah. I uh, did my best to will into existence in creating the opening for this video thing. I, I made... I made it as if it was going to be host John Mulaney and musical guest Taylor Swift. <laughs> I did my absolute best to just will that into existence and it didn't come true, but I'm still holding out hope that that will happen. Cause we got two New York people that have been there before and man, I would love to see that combo. John, what do you think? Um, <laughs> everything that you guys said, I was going to point out that ScarJo might be an obvious one to tap since she's, you know, already close to the production and probably, you know, just twiddling her thumbs and, an apartment somewhere around New York. Um, aside from that, I've always thought Jason Sudeikis needs to come back at some point and just sort of plant his flag as, you know, an alum friend of the show who, who's game to come and host. Like he's, he's been Biden in the past and come back for that. Um, but I just, I, I feel like he's one of the um, 
former players that should be one of their returning hosts, you know, like a hater, yeah. a Sandberger, mm-hmm. a Tina Fey, or, um, you know, people of that caliber who, who, uh, represented the show well when they were on and who still has a measure of heat. He's got a, a new project on, um, Apple TV plus that's just dropping mm-hmm. right now, uh, right. among other stuff. So, um, it seems like he'd be someone good to bring in. Um, but, you know, uh, there's no, there's no precedent for that. He's not someone that has hosted so many times that you would just slot him in and say, yeah, this is mm-hmm. someone we know is going to work no matter what the production looks like on any given week. Um, so who knows, but he's just always someone that I thought sooner or later, we got to see him back. Um, we could do some then, interesting things with the Joe Biden multiverse as well. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the, I always think the handoffs are fun when they find a classy way for the outgoing impression to sort of usher in the new one. So if, if he was some politician having a conversation with the new Biden, who we will talk about shortly, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe there's something there, but it, I don't think that's really necessary, especially if they've got debate sketches to, to tackle. I don't think they're going to be trying to wedge him in for some sort of, you know, poetic handoff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like Sudeikis. I, I like it when he comes back. I think he's a fun guy. All right. Well, let's, we touched on it a little bit, but let's move into our next piece of news, which is one of the biggest ones. I think, you know, this got a lot of talk about it. We have Jim Carrey playing joe biden mm-hmm. canada's sweet <laughs> steve Jim i think Carey. you have some thoughts <laughs> i have thoughts and i wish i could make sense of them because i've been thinking about this a lot and just trying just trying to connect it in my mind like sure jim carrey very funny guy very capable of performing comedically i think he's done it once or twice in his career uh I've been just trying to envision in my brain what his Joe Biden impression would look like. And it mm-hmm. just, it, it just won't materialize. I mean, I keep trying. All I can see is him doing Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I just I'm don't, vexed as well. I, I don't understand why they chose him. He's a very physical performer. I guess they're deciding on a very physical portrayal of joe biden you know as as reserved as he is in real life they've always seemed to give him that extra childish mm-hmm. pep especially with jason sudeikis's uh iteration so maybe they want to tap into that again but the more i think about it you know obviously he's a big name and he's going to get the draw but it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me yeah, we've seen several different Joe Bidens. So the big thing that signals to me is that they're wanting to take the character and make a marked. We're doing it in a different way now. This is our new take on Joe Biden. Officially, it's not going to be Sudeikis. It's not going to be Harrelson. This is going to be our new thing. Uh, but as for why it landed on Jim Carrey, I am also confused, um, but very excited to see it. I think it's definitely going to be interesting. John, do you have any... Uh, are you more hopeful about the Jim Carrey Biden? Oh, I, I have thoughts and they, they cut both ways. Um, I don't always enjoy it when the show comes at uh, a political caricature, um, in, in an obviously intentionally, um, positive or negative way 
Like I like the politician to be able to dictate what's funny about them. That's worth lampooning. I don't want the performer or the show to necessarily have an agenda, about what they would like mm-hmm. to say about the politician. And my concern is that maybe this uh, is going to become sort of a let's, let's humanize him a bit or, or let's, um, let's let's try and paint a picture of biden that is maybe even a little more likable than than biden not that biden really struggles with being likable but i know jim carrey's politics and i know that uh he is fervently you know interested (laughs) in the outcome of this election um and so i wonder where his thinking's at because ultimately he's going to craft this person for better or worse and does that mean the show is going to pull punches because well, Carrie's not on board mm-hmm. with casting Biden in that light. You know, the, the show has a very interesting track record of, of how they portray politicians and, and sometimes when it's intentional and when their biases are on their sleeve. And uh, I, I just have a feeling that because Jim Carrey's bringing so much passion for the election with him, uh, I, I don't see how that couldn't play a part in how they, they view it. And I honestly would love to see some, some ripping on, on Biden's gaffes and, you know, his, the verbal diarrhea and like, you know, there, there's, there is, there's stuff that's rife for comedy. If the show is brave enough to not try to make Biden as sympathetic and likable as they possibly can. But there's a lot of people at the show that are very interested in making Biden as likable and sympathetic as they can. And so I'm just wondering if comedy will be sidestepped in the interest of, of painting a version of Biden that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe could impact an election. Yeah, we have a lot hanging in the balance on this election. And I yeah. would be very surprised if, especially knowing the politics of a lot of the people at the show, if they weren't taking it, uh, a lot of it on their shoulders to say, yeah, you know, we can't mess around with this. Um, yeah, they're not a neutral so, observer. They're not trying to be right. made that very clear for the last four years. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see what it is, but I, I wouldn't certainly anticipate that they are going to be doing everything they can to make sure that Biden looks good. Yeah. And if that's the funniest Biden, then great. I'd be happy to see it. <laughs> but that's yet. Alrighty then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have discussed Jim Carrey quite a bit. So let's move on to our next big piece of news, mm-hmm. which is that we have all of our cast members returning plus three new featured players and as also, some writing room updates. So uh, let's hit this first as Anna Dresden has been promoted to co-head writer. And Tom S. was wondering how we think this is going to affect the show's material and shape. So, Steve, what do you think about Anna Dresden's promotion? Uh, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I am not surprised. And I can, you know, I'm speculating here, but I, I think... She showed that she was up for this role uh, with her at-home material and and the stuff that she wrote for those SNL at home because her material was some of the best I found and some of the most interesting stuff that we saw in those those limited episodes. So I think she really impressed everybody that she worked with with her performance in those very difficult times. And yeah, I think it was a, it was, it was just the greatest sales pitch for her to be in this, in this role. So I'm more than looking forward to it. It means for me that we'll, we'll be getting more quality material like that. Even things that, you know, she's not directly involved with, she's going to have that 
stamp of approval on. We're going to hear a little bit of her voice, so a little bit over everything. And that's just mm-hmm. going to, I think, improve the entire show for the better. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. I think she's my favorite writer at the show right now. She consistently brings stuff that I really enjoy. And I think when we wrapped our coverage of season 45, she was one of the ones that I said, I would love to see her get promoted to a co-head writer position. Um, So I think Lauren's definitely listening to us first of all. And (laughs) second of all, it's pretty obvious. Like you, I think we're going to get some more of those sort of observational sketches that Anna really nails. Um, And I, for one, am excited to have a a female up in the co-head writer position again. You know, that's as Tina Fey says, a lot of Mm -hmm. times it takes someone being in the room. Uh, So that's exciting for me. And I just love Anna Dresden. Yeah, it's a good thing you said something. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, Anna. That Catherine Coleman, she has a she has a good point there. I hope that's not your Lord Michael's impression. (laughs) That's... (laughs) Well, we know who's not going to get hired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're all totally in the tank for Dresden. Um, we, we said it all uh, on our previous outing. Um, we know that she's been distinguishing herself. We know that she leads a, a cadre of writers that are able to find the stupidity in the mundane um, and really just turn a phrase in a, a really clever and charming way. Um, during the at home shows, I'm pretty sure that she was, uh, in the mix on that prom sketch that uh, was one of our best, um, that, cause that very much has the voice of let's take an awkward situation and let's just mine it for every weird little truism, you know, that we can highlight and bring out and just, just lay it bare for people to recognize, oh, how ridiculous is prom. And there, there's, there's unending great comedy that you can get when you're hardwired to see the world in those terms. Everything is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got that. And, uh, you know, she's, she's done, uh, some solid standup. That's, that's kind of in that same vein. And, uh, you, you can just tell she's got a mind for it. And, uh, obviously the, the work ethic to, to continue to distinguish herself at the show. And, um, I couldn't be happier. Uh, it's, it is definitely a promotion that we were all expecting and hoping and, and applauding. And now we can officially say, yeah, good job. Uh, we expect great things, but you've already shown us that you're capable of it. So by all means, please, uh, deliver a fantastic season and we will sing your praises forever, Anna. Yeah. All right. Well, congrats, Anna. And next up we have all of our returning cast members coming back, which is Interesting to hear. Uh, we also know that Lauren mentioned that some of them are going to be splitting time, and he sort of alluded to possible shorter seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we had our listener, Tom S., wanted to know what, how we think these all these returning performers, how are they going to evolve, and what are their priorities going to be for the season, and what will this look like? Well, yeah, I, I definitely see Mikey and Alex leading the pack. You know, maybe not while... Kyle and Beck are still there, but I, I, I have seen that in them ever since they started on the show, especially Alex, where I think, you know, a guy like that can definitely uh, be the leading man in a lot of sketches and really, you know, take over the driver's wheel. I've, I've seen that in him from day one. So I've always felt 
safe with him in the cast. And, you know, I, I knew whoever we lost and, and whoever was going to be still on the cast, having Alex there was, you know, definitely, definitely a good thing because he's, he's just so great. As for Melissa, I feel like this will be truly her time to shine. You know, she's, she had a bumpy first couple of years. Maybe we weren't sure if she was going to stay on, but now that she is, and we are probably, you know, losing some of the, some of the Chicago ladies, this is going to be uh, truly her time. Yeah. John, how do you think our returning players are going to evolve? Uh, and- it, it, that's a big question. So I'm just going to kind of pull back and maybe talk in generalities a little bit. Um, Cause as you know, uh, I have no love for trying to like insert mm-hmm. new players mm-hmm. into the uh, uh, niche that older players had in the ensemble. Um, SNL is an ensemble and it's ever evolving and it, it needs to reflect the culture in a way, right? Cause they, they need to be able to comment on the world as it is now. And so the, the needs of the ensemble change year over year and you really have to be inside of the production to really know kind of where they feel they need to um, maneuver uh, a player or, you know, fill in a gap or what they, what they really think would help um, build out the ensemble in a way that they can just do better comedy. Um, Mm -hmm. So because of that, it's, it's a really fruitless endeavor to, to try and uh, sort of like anticipate the trajectory of any player. Cause when you look back, there's very few players that if you saw them on their first episode, and then you saw them on your last episode, you could have pegged who they would have grown into on the show or what, who became the leading man or who became the, you know, the jack of all trades or who became, you know, the impressions. Like, it's like people evolve as long as they're on the show. And there's just, yeah, like there is a little bit of that when it comes to the impressionist side of things. But otherwise, I, I just, I see everyone kind of being fairly distinct. And I think that that's probably conscious. I think the show, as they build out the, the lower ranks, they're they're not really looking to just, well, we need a whole lot of blonde, pretty people. Like, I don't think that there's anything like that generic where they feel <laughs> like they need more than one person to serve in a certain aspect of the ensemble. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that our new hires that we'll get into in a couple minutes, obviously, I, I think continue that notion that um, they're very smart about creating people that have enough unique aspects to their persona and their comedic approach that they're not stepping on each other's toes too much. Cause I don't, I don't see a whole lot of that in the the lower cast. Uh, I'm not saying anything new here, but in broad strokes, my hunch is that even though in the midst of COVID, the show said we want all hands on deck and there's an opportunity to have a bigger cast because people are going to be sequestered and split off into different units. And uh, when you're working on a sketch, it doesn't mean you can necessarily be cross pollinating on a lot of different projects. So having more performers that you can then spread out uh, into their own little mini productions makes a lot of sense right now. If COVID ever goes away, and I certainly hope that it does, uh, Mm -hmm. that will change. And then the show is going to have to start looking at, okay, as we bring the production back to its baseline, is there really room for all these players that can effectively do the same thing. And that's where I think a lot of our senior players, especially ones that maybe have sitcoms that have already been picked up or, you know, maybe have other projects on the go or even shows that they're currently involved in. And they're not even coming back to New York for the new season. Like I think there's some players that they have enough stuff going on that they're not really going to 
be hurting too much if they they decide mm-hmm. to move on mid-season or at the end of the season. I think that turnover is going to happen, though I've been saying it for four years and we still <laughs> haven't really seen seen much turnover. Um, I, I do think that obviously, you know, we're we're so top heavy at this point out of necessity, mm-hmm. but eventually that's going to pop. And uh, hopefully we just get good send-offs for people and it's not like we shut down the production and never see them again. Hopefully, you know, the people that mm-hmm. deserve swan songs get their swan songs and then our mid-tier players, they can just blossom and thrive and become the new stars of the show. Yeah. Um, I don't think any of us were surprised that everyone's coming back. That's pretty much what we predicted. As much as we've been saying for, you know, years, people have been saying, you know, I think that Kate and Cecily and Adie are going to go. Um, right. I'm, you know, they're not going to, this is probably their last season. This was the time where we all said, yeah, they're, they're going to be back. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, because COVID of was the kind situation. of a game changer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so we're not surprised there. And I do think that, you know, Lauren even said that, you know, some of them won't be there every week. Um, so we're, you know, we're going to see some that, some of that. And that's certainly going to be interesting to see, you know, who's there and who's not. And that's kind of a fun little new game to play. Um, and then <laughs> I think that leaves our sort of mid-tier performers. They're just looking at a lot more screen time. And I imagine they're very excited about it. Yeah, that's true. If we've got a full cast and name only, but some of them really are just kind of doing what like Eddie Murphy did his last season where he just kind of pre-taped some stuff and, you know, was, mm-hmm. was barely involved in the production. If we do have some of that and we can keep them on because we want a steady ship right now, we want the familiar faces, but we don't, it doesn't mean that they need to dominate the show. Maybe mm-hmm. that is the solution here. Maybe the bigger cast isn't a reflection of less opportunity for the young people. Maybe it is just signaling that we can let that be top heavy because we know we're not going to be leaning on our top cast this season. Right. If that's the case, great. You know, sometimes it's nice for them to kind of usher out slowly and get comfortable with the idea of not being like deeply ingrained in the show. Yeah. So with that, this is the part I'm most <laughs> excited to talk about are our three new featured players. So we have Lauren Holt from UCBLA, who was actually supposed to start at the end of last season, and then that obviously got hosed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Punky Johnson, who is a stand-up from New Orleans, and Andrew Dismukes, who's been a writer on the show since season 43. He brought us uh, Bayou Benny, which I think was probably pretty close to his heart, uh, and then also Del Taco Shoot and Brothers. So- and he is also from New Orleans, is he not? Uh, Texas. I believe he. Ooh, Austin. He, I know he went to college in Texas, but I, I know, I know he's Cajun. Yeah, that's uh, what he, made he me think. Oh, that. yeah, I'm so, not yeah. actually sure where he's born, but I know that he came up in the Austin scene. Um, someone who contributes yes. to the show, um, was telling us a little bit about uh him performing at his his improv house. So, uh, yeah, he oh. he definitely comes through the Austin circuit. <laughs> uh, Lauren Holt, I've um, did a little bit of research, and she's got some spunk. I really see a spot on the cast for her having said that I, I i definitely get a kind of an 80 bryant vibe so with this hire i'm I'm thinking maybe they were looking to the future a little bit and <laughs> thinking about what kind of talent they were going to be losing and what kind of niche uh new hires should be filling so i think they were pretty intelligent with this and yeah lauren has definitely got some chops i i quite enjoyed the uh parent-teacher conference short if you've seen that floating around online it's a great sketch that she was involved with and yeah if you want a great example of her energy and you know what she can bring to the show 
have a look at that video because that was that was a, a very funny premise. I mean, she didn't write it, but she she took the the material and elevated it for sure. So I get it. I see the appeal and I see the potential in there. So Lauren Holt, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you there. So moving on to Punky, this is another one I'm definitely looking forward to. I had the pleasure of listening to a bit of her stand-up. You know, she's been on a lot of stuff. You've, you might have seen her on Crank Yankers and uh, I think uh, Adam Ruins Everything. That's a show, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know she was on it, but yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but I, I, I know she's on it. I don't really watch that show because it really lives up to its name. <laughs> but her stand stand up is fire. She is just so witty, so hilarious, and just an amazing performer. She has this confidence. And yeah, I think she could do great things with the show. She has this kind of she reminds me of a female JB smooth. Like she's she's definitely got that command of the stage and I think she's just got a brilliant mind. And, you know, as an openly uh, gay black woman there, uh, she, you know, obviously there's some diversity there that is being brought to the cast, but I think this is probably the the gayest cast that we've had (laughs) in the history of SNL. I don't think we've had as many openly gay cast members that might've been true before she was even hired with, with Bowen on. Uh, But, uh, it's nice. It's it's nice to see a more representative cast. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's definitely a lot of people that watch this show that I'm sure appreciate having someone there to uh to have as a role model. And it's just something that a lot of television has been lacking is 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 good role models for for people of of these walks of life. So what do you think about Andrew? <laughs> Andrew Dismukes. Well, we've we've seen him on the show a little bit. I think he was like he's cast part members. of the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been a part of the audience before in, in the sketches. Obviously, he didn't really showcase much of his his talent there. That was more of a hey, we need a face moment. But you know, you listed off a couple of the sketches he did. Obviously, I've you know gone crazy over the Del Taco sketch. And this is what interests me about this hire because obviously he's a funny guy. He's got great stand up and he's a great performer. But uh, I've always enjoyed his writing because he knows how to write to the strengths of other cast members. So I'm interested in seeing what he is going to write for himself because, you know, mm-hmm. aside from the Del Taco shoot, which was very. Beck, very Kyle. Uh, we also had the the master class uh, sketches from the at home SNL, which was great, uh, great material for the you know the uh, the impersonators of the cast. So with him on the cast and and having to you know submit material for himself to perform, I, I'm interested in seeing how that pans out. Yeah, of all the people in the writing room that I thought were likely to become cast members. He is not the one that I expected. <laughs> uh, not because he's not funny or not good. You know, I think he's, I've, I've really liked to stand up. I've been checking him out some since the announcement. Um, but I really thought that we were going to get, um, 
like you know maybe Sudi might be uh, on the cast like that. I'd like to see that. That'd be really cool. But yeah, he was. I was a little surprised uh, to see him on that list, but I'm excited about it, especially now that I've watched more and more of his stand up um, to see what he has to offer. I think we're in for some good stuff there. Um, with Punky, uh, so when the announcement came out, I immediately like went to everyone's Instagrams, um, and based on Instagram, I was not sure what to make of Punky. Um, luckily, I said, "Okay, well, let's try YouTube." Um, so I saw some of her stand up. Definitely, we have some unique voices, a unique voice, and a unique take on things. Like you said, uh, she's an openly gay black woman who is going to have a lens to look through things that we haven't had on the show. Uh, so I'm really excited about that and to see what angle she brings to a lot of this stuff. And also, like you said, Steve, she really can own the stage. She's got a lot of confidence. So I think that that's going to be awesome. Um, and then Lauren Holt is the most like tried and true sketch performer that they're bringing in. Uh, you know, we have two stand-ups. We have a writer. But Lauren has been, you know, doing UCB sketch for a while, and I'm really excited to see her. She's the one that I'm probably most excited about based on, you know, a lot of the videos that I've seen of her. I also just think, you know, she immediately like posted on her Instagram that like the dream was coming true and that immediately won over my heart of like, <laughs> oh, I'm so happy for you. Um, so yeah, I'm, I think we have some three really interesting hires here and I'm really excited to see what they bring. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, definitely interesting. Uh, Lauren Holt didn't know anything about her, uh, cause I don't really keep my finger on the pulse of like LA stuff mm -hmm. usually. Um, so, you know, had to do a little bit of research, but, um, she's, she's got a knack for musically oriented stuff, which mm -hmm. I think could translate into something interesting on the show. I have no idea what that would look like, but, um, that's something that she's bringing to the show that might be unique. So I'm excited to see if that bears any fruit. Um, otherwise, like you said, yeah, seasoned, uh, performer, obviously, you know, made a name for herself out there. Um, so kind of like, you know, Heidi, I, didn't know mm -hmm. anything about her coming into it, but um, the people that end up distinguishing themselves at the improv houses out in LA, you know, the ones that rise to the top, they're there. They rise to the top for a reason. And uh, right. so I'm excited to be able to try and put my finger on what is it that the show saw that really made her, you know, the one that they coveted. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, like more questions and answers with Lauren, but uh, I'm, I'm just excited to find out what it is they want from her. Like what, what is she going to bring? Um, Punky Johnson. That's a different story. I, I have a bit of context for Punky. Um, when I wasn't distracted watching the world burn this summer, I had an opportunity <laughs> to, um, do some producing on some, uh, podcasts for people that are SNL, uh, associated, uh, you know, former players and you know, tangential stuff in the comedy scene. And Punky Johnson was featured on one of the casts that uh, I'm working on. Um, so that's just kind of interesting that the timing just sort of panned out that way. Um, so I, I can, I can't really say much else about that production because that episode hasn't dropped yet. Um, <laughs> but it is just interesting that sometimes when someone's arrived, they've just kind of arrived and all of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, they're just popping up everywhere. And, and, um, you, you know, you get exposed to them very quick and you just kind of get a picture of, uh, you know, why, why mm -hmm. people are saying, oh, you know what? There's someone with star quality. Like there's someone that 
they've got something and uh you see that immediately with punky uh mm-hmm. if if it's just yeah just some some zest that just kind of perks you up and and you know there's there's just an energy and an enthusiasm there and uh uh, I, I totally get that, you know, it, it, with Lauren Holt, I have no idea what the show wants from her with punky. I think I have a pretty clear picture as far as Andrew Dismukes, you know, we've, we've talked about, uh, the stuff that he's been doing that we've liked, uh, for a while. Um, he's another writer that, you know, often comes up in conversation as someone that was bringing something just a little more fun and kooky to the show. Mm-hmm. And, um, obviously behind the scenes, he's a bit of a cut up. Like it's, it's it's funny when you get on the writing staff, it's kind of like your audition never ends because if you just really kind of (laughs) insinuate your way into the 17th floor and become everybody's pal and you're the, the goof that's always making people laugh. Eventually someone says, well, geez, like put them on screen. Um, and we get that. We, we, we get that quite often, you know, from Rob Schneider to Michael Bryan. And, and, you know, like that's, that's an ongoing, well, Tina Fey, even there, that's a tradition with the show that they, they would never turn away a writer if it was obvious that they had something that could translate to, to on-air talent. It's just his story at SNL has just gotten more exciting and uh, I'm excited for him and uh, you know, welcome to the new players. Uh, I hope you all just, you know, hit the ground running and, and just find your groove and we have a wonderful season together. That's what we always hope. And uh, can't wait to see what they all bring. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm very excited. All right. So we have one patron question that we have not touched on yet. Mm-hmm. And this comes from Monette. One of our, our longest and truest listeners. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She was the probably the first question we ever featured on the cast. Well, she wanted to know our thoughts on some a piece of news that did get a little buried. And that is that SNL setting up a diversity scholarship at um, several comedy clubs around the country. Um, and so it's a big piece of news and I hate that it did get a little buried. Um, so Monette sort of said that she thinks that Lauren is thinking long-term about his legacy and what that looks like. And so John, what are your thoughts on this diversity scholarship news? Um, it seems kind of inevitable. Like now that someone's you know spelled it out, it's kind of what they've already been doing just in a more formal way. They've already mm-hmm. developed inroads with basically every sketch comedy haunt in the major mm-hmm. centers of the U S and it's not just like, you know, they go and, and hang out and observe. They have processes in place where the people at those um, theaters, uh, they are basically scouting, you know, from all the classes and all the people that come through, people are fast tracked if they show certain talent and they get to kind of like be put on short list so that when SNL comes out, you know, there's already like a roster of people that probably fit what SNL is looking for. So all of these, um, all this infrastructure to build out the, the bench, the, and build the farm team, so to speak, that's already been in place for a long time. And this is kind of like the next evolution of that, creating more ways mm-hmm. to bring in talent from as many sort of disparate sources as possible. And if someone's going to shine, they're going to shine. And, and if there's an opportunity for them to recognize it and give them, you know, open the door and give them a leg up so that they can maybe prove themselves at the show. Fantastic. It, as SNL becomes more of an institution they need to have more of this kind of institutionalized uh, recruiting and, and, you know, just all of these systems in place to continue to breathe life into the show season over season. 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's really all I've got is that it makes total sense. And, uh, it's just a nice thing to do. It's just one more Avenue for someone that maybe has a real passion for the show and really wants to take a run at it. You know, it's maybe just one more opportunity for them to maybe find a path to the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, most of these comedy theaters already had diversity scholarships running. Uh, but, uh, local comedy theaters aren't uh huge money making machines. So it's nice to see that they're going to get a little infusion of money to go towards sure. those scholarships. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is huge news and it's something that I've been surprised didn't already exist, honestly. Um, so I'm really excited that they're doing it. I think it's a very important thing in comedy. Like I already alluded to the Tina Fey said, having someone in the room that gets the joke is your first step to, you know, getting a more diverse, uh, diverse range of, of comedic takes on your show. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a huge move and I think it's so important to do. And I'm really excited. Right. Steve, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm, you know, I'm not up on the, the details and everything, but I, I do think this is a great initiative. You know, the, the real idea is to, is to make sure that you're appealing to all sensibilities and, you know, it can't just be the one decision, you know, it can't just be, Lauren picking everybody thinking, okay, this is what I find funny. You know, there, you have to have open ears and you have to know what appeals to the masses and, and just how to find something for every, every corner of, of your audience. All good stuff. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we covered it, Manette. Yeah. So we covered a lot of news tonight. (laughs) Does anyone have anything else they need to say? Speak now or forever hold your peace. I'm holding it. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks to Steve Finn and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week to cover SNL's season 46 premiere with host Chris Rock and musical guest Meg the Stallion. But until then, this has been episode number 115 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it.